Welcome to ELT in Chile, a podcast about teaching English in Chile. I'm Daniel Gwim. And I'm Jose Luis Poblete. And in this podcast, we share our knowledge and experience about teaching English in Chile. Today's episode is all about technology. We're going to talk about how you can learn about technology from your student, our history and philosophy of using technology, and how we use it in class, and a variety of resources that can help you with your teaching. In addition to that, we're going to talk about a teaching demerit and a teaching gold star based on our own experiences. For this episode's Try This in Class tip, we want you to explore how your students use technology. This can be useful because you can get a sense of what your students already do, and you can suggest ways for them to practice English outside of class using technology as a tool. I typically suggest my students download the app Flipboard and read about topics that interest them, and I also introduce them to TED Talks or some apps related to podcasts based on their level. I found that some students are doing things that are really practical and helpful that you can add to your teaching toolkit and share with your other students. One of my recent students that I started working with a few weeks ago has been having trouble formulating questions correctly. So after we did some practice in class, he was playing around on Google. He decided to try to formulate questions on his own. With the Google text prediction feature, it will list questions that it thinks you're trying to ask, and it's an instant way for students to see if they're asking the questions correctly. So now we're going to move on to our main topic, which is technology and education. Mm -hmm. Before diving in, I think it's important to give some background about our experiences with technology since we started teaching, as well as our current teaching context and how we use technology. So, what's your background with technology and teaching, Jose Luis? Okay, so let me think of one of my first teaching experiences. Well, technology back then in 2007 or 2008 was just to have a CD player, <laughs> you know? I don't know if, if in the U.S., uh, but here we have a running joke about English teachers and radios. Radios are said to be the English teacher's best friend, and we had to carry one everywhere to class. Yeah, I remember having my CD player that I took everywhere my first few years of teaching, so I can relate to that. And if you were lucky enough, you could have access to an overhead projector that was in the classroom. Maybe the school owned a portable projector, but you needed to sign up if you wanted to use it. And the line, you know, was pretty long. Oh, geez. So I actually had my own overhead projector in my second and third year of teaching in the States, but never in Chile. Well, there was also a computer lab for the entire school, but you had to sign up a long time in advance, so that made it really hard to fit technology into your lessons. In my opinion, Daniel, students expect our English lessons to be filled with technology nowadays. And actually, if you take a look at course programs, the use of technology is strongly recommended in the form of videos, audio, and interactive presentations. What's your experience with technology in the classroom, Daniel? Well, yeah, I think that technology of one form or another is expected, and it's the norm in classes nowadays. I think we've also come a long way from what you described. When I first started teaching in California in 2006, the first school where I taught kindergarten didn't have much technology. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a computer in my classroom, I didn't have an email address to the school district, and the phone in my classroom didn't even work so that administrators or staff could call my room. Memos were all sent out by paper to our boxes at the school. There was no Wi-Fi connection to use online resources, and I still have that CD player that I used when I taught kindergarten back in New Jersey. Okay, so Danny, after listening to your experience, well, they sound really similar. I didn't have a school email address and everything was done through notes and paper. What happened after that experience then? Well, I was lucky after that because the two schools I taught at afterwards were more up to date. And my second school where I taught high school Spanish, I was given a work laptop and every classroom had a projector that could connect to the computer. 
We also had an email address associated with the school, software to keep track of grades which parents could access, and working telephones in each room. The third school was similar with technology, and one of the things I used a lot at that school was an overhead projector to draw or write things so that all students could see what I was doing and I could save it for later. Mm -hmm. Towards the end of that school year, I actually got something called an ELMO, which is like an overhead projector, but it projected the exact image and color of whatever you put under it. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, it was really cool. I just wish I had had more time to use it. <laughs> so after that, I also taught as a long-term sub for a Spanish teacher that was on maternity leave in New Jersey before I came to Chile. And that school was really well equipped with technology. So that year was 2009, and in addition to getting a laptop that you could also use as a tablet, there was an online system with something called SharePoint that teachers and students used to share and access information about classes, as well as an online platform with grades and attendance. Mm -hmm. So since coming to Chile, I've had different experiences with the amount of technology available for my classes. Mm -hmm. I started out here as a teaching assistant at a school, and the school was severely lacking in technology. They did have a computer lab that was set to open at the beginning of the school year in 2010, but beyond that, there really wasn't anything available. <laughs> yeah, I know that, like the experience I just told you, like you have a computer lab, but sometimes it's really hard to access it. Yeah. So after making the transition to working at institutes, I remember having access to audio from textbook series that I could put on my iPod, and then I could use that with a plug-in portable speaker mm -hmm. for teaching individual and small group classes. In 2012, I got a tablet that I could carry around and connect to Wi-Fi, which was really useful. The institutes also had computers, photocopiers, printers, laminating machines, and other resources on site, which really made planning classes much easier. Yeah, that's right. So I've been teaching completely independently since 2015, and in the past three or four years, I've had the opportunities to teach online. In one case, I taught TOEFL courses to a group of 16 Chilean high school students from all over the country through a platform called GoToMeeting. It was really cool to be able to see all of them and connect with them from all over the country, get the responses, maintain a live chat, and build the connection with them despite the distance. It's been more common for me to actually teach online classes to my current students while visiting family back home. Mm -hmm. And it worked out nicely to be able to provide students with that continuity. And I usually travel back to New Jersey about twice a year. And it's not usually the type of vacation where I'm on a beach sipping a margarita or, you know, <laughs> doing much traveling once I'm there. Nothing really, really extravagant. So it works out nicely that I can fit in some classes into my schedule and still spend time with family and friends. Uh -huh. When I think of technology, this really makes me think of something that happened a year and a half ago. So my father was on vacation in Italy with my brother and sister-in-law, and he fell and broke his leg. He ended up needing surgery there, and he was stuck in Italy for about three weeks due to complications. So my brother doesn't speak Italian, and he doesn't have much experience with international travel. But thanks to Facebook, I was able to get in touch with an interpreter that helped my brother communicate with the nurses and doctor at the hospital. Eventually, my brother was able to get my dad back to New Jersey. I had already planned a trip back to visit a little bit later that summer, and I ended up going back 10 days early to help take care of my dad and to give my brother a break. So when he got to New Jersey, it turns out that they had to redo the surgery on his left leg, and he also needed surgery on his other leg, as well as a lot of physical and occupational therapy. Mm -hmm. So I was really, really fortunate because I was able to continue teaching online for a good number of my classes. and. I taught classes in the morning, 
and also in the evening after getting back from the hospital. It gave me the free time to also take care of things around the house because my dad's house, you know, was just completely empty. Mm -hmm. At that time, medical bills were coming in, credit card bills, things like that. It also gave my brother a much needed break from everything that he had done up to that point. And I'm just so grateful that my students were so flexible and understanding by agreeing to take online classes for that three-week period that I was home. And I'm so grateful that that technology exists nowadays, that it was even an option. If this had been 10 years ago, I don't think that would have been possible. Yeah, that's right. The good news is my dad has gone on to make an almost full recovery. And I think when things like that happen, it really puts things into perspective for you. Well, I, I knew about your the situation with your father, and I'm really glad that he's fine now and that technology actually helped you maintain a teaching schedule and that your students actually understood that particular situation. Yeah, I was really fortunate. Considering my experiences, I haven't always had technology in the classroom, and I had to make do without it. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm a bit hesitant to take on new technology. I easily get overwhelmed with so many new apps, so many new websites, so many new possibilities. So I think that that carries over in general into how I use technology in my professional life and my personal life. So as I said before, Daniel, our experiences with technology sound pretty similar because we started teaching around the same time. And as I said, after working in that school, uh, I started working in a language institute and I remember that some classrooms were equipped with overhead projectors and computers. And if you needed to watch a movie, for example, you could ask for a television to be used on a particular day. Mm-hmm. And in terms of communication, there were two methods. Memos that you needed to pick up from a pigeonhole rack, which every teacher was assigned, and through the institute's email address. And if I had to teach outside the institute, in a company, for example, I was given a set of portable speakers and an MP3 player with the audio tracks I needed. There was also a transition from using paper course books to digital versions of them, and my back was, was very happy after that change. Oh, that must have been great with uh, digital versions yeah. of the books. I don't think the institutes I was ever at had them at the time that I was there. I imagine they probably do now. Uh-huh. So I still use paper copies of the books. I think that I'm kind of, you know, traditional and old school in that uh-huh. way. They do make my bags heavy but I like that I can write in them you know highlight stuff and do things like that yeah actually some people really prefer to have like a physical copy a physical copy of the book rather than just having the, the yeah. digital version of it and nowadays like I said before technology is almost a requirement in the classroom and we all take it for granted for example in both universities I work at there are no radios but high-definition speakers laptops computers overhead projectors or flat-screen televisions in every classroom Also, there are computer labs that can be booked for an entire semester or whenever you need them. This has been very useful because of my research related to the use of corpus linguistics and the creation of corpora in class. And for this, we really need to have access to computers. We need to use a special software called Concordancer and the internet to conduct searches, compile a corpus, and especially share materials with students. That's great. Yeah, um, it was really amazing seeing all the data you compiled with your students when you presented at TESOL Chile a few months ago and back in December. Yeah, thank you very much. And without technology, Daniel, there would be no corpus linguistics. Mm-hmm. So there would be no, no research. Another big change is the use of institutional email, which is provided by Google, and that allows us to have access to a variety of apps. Uh, The ones I mostly use are Google Classroom to post important information and share materials with the entire class, and Google Drive that allows me to organize materials into different folders and share them individually or with groups of students and teachers very easily. So now that we've talked about our history with technology, Daniel, do you have a philosophy about how technology should be used in the classroom? That's a really good question. I feel like technology is a great tool when it's used correctly. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, technology should be used to help students in their learning, 
facilitate communication, and make students' and teachers' lives easier. So if there's a sensible alternative that already exists rather than investing in technology, I prefer the alternative. Mm -hmm. And one thing that happens is I sometimes worry when I see technology being used as a marketing tool to attract students. Mm -hmm. Because if the technology isn't helping students with their learning, I feel like it's just a gimmick or just a misuse of technology. I remember attending an event about using technology in the classroom about six or seven years ago, and a presenter had an iPad, and he was showing off a new app that was simply a white screen that you could draw on and display to your students. So it puzzled me because people seemed really interested in this app, which was called Paper. <laughs> to me, it seems like they could have just used a piece of paper or an individual whiteboard to achieve the same purpose. <laughs> the funny thing is that, that the app was called Paper. Yeah, exactly. So it's just a piece of paper you could just write things on. Yeah, just like a blank white screen. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Dan, I agree with you. Technology is a great tool when we use it in the right way, especially if it contributes to students' learning and to make everybody's lives easier. I think that's that's the main point. Uh -huh. But in terms of communication, technology can help you a lot, but it can also be a little intrusive and disruptive sometimes, especially given the amount of emails we receive every single day. Yeah, you know, I didn't even think of that element. I think that since I work independently, I don't get as many emails emails as other people mm -hmm. but we get too many notifications by email also on our phones that it can be hard to stay concentrated and keep up with everything uh -huh. and I think people also get impatient and they expect instant responses because communication now can be so instant mm -hmm. and if you're dealing with students or with an employer it's really important to set boundaries about when you're available to talk when you're available to answer messages and email especially if you feel like you're losing control of time I think another element of this is uh, establishing with your students or maybe with an employer if necessary um, what a reasonable response time is you know um, will you respond to things within 24 hours 48 hours so then that way people know what is realistic and what to expect yeah not an hour or half an hour yeah you know if there's some type of emergency you know that's understood but Absolutely. also what constitutes an emergency for one person exactly. may not constitute an emergency for another person yeah, that's true well now that you mentioned that like I also get concerned when institutions start using a new platform an app or a website because everybody needs to spend a lot of time on learning how to use this platform or this app mm -hmm. what eventually happens is that this is replaced with something new and it starts all over again mm -hmm. this has happened with interactive whiteboards some institutions invested a great deal of money on that type of technology and we received you know some training but everybody realized that we could do the same things with the computer so in the end we only use them for one semester and uh, they are still in the classroom but nobody uses them and that's really sad you know because they invested a lot of money on that mm. daniel how do you use technology inside the classroom now well i don't think i currently use as much technology in the classroom as you jose luis because given my context, mostly teaching individual couples and a small group class, I don't really find it as necessary. You know, I can use a whiteboard, I can use individual whiteboards and things like that. So despite that, I do use it in some ways. Mm -hmm. With some students, I'm currently watching Friends from the beginning using Netflix in conjunction with a viewing guide that I've been creating for each episode. We watch it with English subtitles, and we can pause if necessary to explain anything they don't understand or to rewatch a scene. Very good. I also use YouTube clips related to what we're learning about, but sometimes they'll be completely unrelated, and I'll just use them <laughs> as a break from what we're doing in class or for some comic relief. 
Mm-hmm. In some classes, we also listen to podcasts. And just like with friends, I have a listening guide that goes along so that students can follow along and be prepared to understand. I've done this with things like NPR Planet Money for students interested in economics, Freakonomics as general interest, and I've also used a website made by English teachers called podcastsinenglish.com. Uh-huh. Another thing I'll do is create a WhatsApp group for a group class. So this way we can communicate outside the class. We can share photos of the whiteboard for anyone that missed the class. We can also share jokes, wish each other happy birthday and such. And I find it's a nice way of building a bit of community outside of the class. And that technology is a little bit of an extension of the classroom. So WhatsApp also really works well with individual students. Mm -hmm. I can give them a homework assignment of reading something aloud and they have to send it to me as an audio clip. Or I can ask them a question spontaneously and they have to answer it sometime throughout the week. Even if it's just a 30 second or one minute audio clip, it gives my students a way to practice. And also I can take that and evaluate them and prepare a review of their speaking for the following class. That's great, like just like 30 seconds gives you enough material to evaluate many different skills. Exactly, yeah. Another thing, we have PowerPoint presentations. And I think they can be great when you have a large class or you have to present information in an organized way. Mm -hmm. And I use them when I run workshops for English teachers or if I give any type of presentation at a conference. And I find that using that with a wireless clicker and laser pointer, it really adds a nice touch that allows me to walk around the room while I'm presenting. One thing that I notice that happens sometimes is that people put too much information on each slide and they move too quickly from one slide to the next. So then students end up frantically trying to copy everything before the teacher or presenter moves on to the next slide. Mm -hmm. And in that case, I feel like they're not really understanding what they're writing. And I feel like it's the incorrect use of a wonderful technological tool. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it just seems like our brain simply can't process information that quickly. And that's one reason why I prefer writing things on the whiteboard bit by bit as we go, so students can get that information bit by bit and process it. Absolutely, Daniel, I can relate to what you just said, especially when we talk about presentation. Sometimes you see people who want to present who have 20 slides and they have 15 minutes to present. Mm-hmm. Those are way too many, so the amount of information is way too much. I've had the chance to present at conferences and also to be an attendee, and sometimes I feel that people don't understand the idea of presenting and either put too much information on the slides and you're trying to read, and the presenter is also talking, so you need to choose to pay attention to only one of those two. So you can either read what's on the slide or listen attentively to the presenter. And I think that the skill should be definitely be taught how to use PowerPoint or Prezi effectively. Yeah, definitely. I think anyone who's studying to be a teacher should be required to take some type of short course about the effective use of PowerPoint and Prezi. Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned before, I also do teach online classes. So I don't know about you, but I don't find that Skype has a really good video quality. So I tend to use Zoom in conjunction with Google Docs or WebRoom. So Zoom is set up for video conferencing and WebRoom is set up specifically for teaching. But I found that WebRoom doesn't always work with all my students' computers. For anyone that's listening that isn't really familiar with Google Docs, It's like Microsoft Word documents that you can share with others and edit in real time. That means that my students can write sentences and I can correct them if needed on the spot. Mm -hmm. I can also provide written corrections when they're speaking in the Google Doc right away. Best of all, it's something that's saved and you can keep a running record of what you've done in classes. I find that Zoom and WebRoom are great, but technology doesn't always cooperate. 
If necessary, I will use Skype or WhatsApp video as backup options in case none of the other options work for my students. Well, Daniel, another challenge we face as teachers is how to use or incorporate technology outside the classroom this time. So Daniel, how would you use technology outside the classroom? That's a good question. I think I use a good amount of technology, maybe not as much as other people, but one of my big ones is Dropbox. It's a great way to stay organized with all my files and I can access them on the go thanks to the phone app. If anyone isn't familiar with it, you can basically access any file you store on Dropbox at any time by using the app on your phone or visiting the website and putting in your email and password. It has happened a few times to me that I've forgotten to print something out that I needed for class, mm -hmm. and I realized it when I was on the way to the class. So I've actually been able to email it to my students using the app and ask them to print it out when I arrived, and we had what I needed. In addition to that, one thing that I absolutely love, love, love is my wireless printer. <laughs> it's pretty cool, yeah. So I used to have one that had the typical cartridges where you had to buy, you know, a new one every month or two. It would jam often. The ink didn't last very long. So I decided to invest in something better. Uh -huh. So the one that I currently have uses ink that you refill with these little bottles that you buy. So I've had it since May of last year, so probably about eight months now. And I've probably printed off a few thousand copies. I've only gone halfway through the ink that was provided when I brought the printer. That's great. That's great value. It is, yeah. So I think it's worth you know spending a little more money for that. And as I mentioned before, I use WhatsApp to communicate with my students. I have my email on my phone. I don't use Google Calendar or anything like that because I find when we have time zone changes, it kind of throws things off. And I don't like getting all these reminders that I don't want to deal with. I mean, yeah, I know I have a class. I know I have something. I don't need to confirm it again. You know, <laughs> um, For me, I find it much easier to use a paper calendar. I can write names in it. I can take notes. I can cross things out. So what about you, Jose Luis? How do you use technology outside the classroom? Well, in my case, I usually use Google Drive to store and share files with students. And like you, if I forget to print something for class, I can just access the file online and we can just, you know, use it in class. And in that way, we're, sa we're saving trees. And also, since I have access to my files online, I don't need to carry a textbook with me. And for me, that's really important. There you go. Yeah. Saving trees is great. And not having to carry textbooks is a huge plus. Yes. Another thing I do is necessary is to carry my laptop or my iPad so I can work on some things when I have some free time. In some specific times, I created PowerPoint presentations using the function narration. And in that way, each slide has a recording or narration, and then that, that presentation can be saved as a video, which I later post on YouTube and share with students. This comes in handy, especially if you would like your students to watch or read something before that class. Oh, that's so cool. I never thought about doing that before. But come to think of it, I've seen plenty of videos on YouTube, you know, that do that, where they have like a progression of videos and things yeah. or progression of photos and a person's talking and describing it. Or it could just be an auto recording of someone talking maybe with some type of still image. And they are really easy to make. Oh, really, cool. Really, really easy to make. Just need a you know, PowerPoint and a microphone. Excellent. Taking a look at it, do you have any other thoughts related to technology or any words of advice for teachers that are just starting out, Jose Luis? Absolutely. There are so many tools that can help us teach better lessons and students you know, learn and practice more effectively. The main issue here is how to choose from all the websites and apps available. My recommendations would be first, have a goal in mind. 
For example, if you would like your students to practice listening comprehension, you need to help them find materials and exercises that would be suitable for their level. And I think also something you said, like you need to create like a sort of listening guide. I think mm -hmm. that that's really important. You can just say, okay, we're going to listen to this. Yeah. So that's why you need to have a goal in mind. Definitely. I think also activating their background knowledge, yeah, yeah. you know, seeing what they already know about the topic, maybe exploring the relevant vocabulary. Yeah, something mm -hmm. I use for that. Uh, there is a website, you know, created by BBC it's called uh, Six Minute English. Second, I think you should really try the website yourself. The way it works, if you need to download a few things before the class, if you need to sign up, etc. Mm -hmm. And finally, don't be afraid to incorporate technology into, into your lessons. You can use really simple activities and in that way it will make your lessons more dynamic and fun for everybody. What about you, Daniel? Would you like to share some suggestions related to the use of technology in the classroom? Well, those are really great tips. Um, so one thing that I would say that maybe we have a little bit of a different view is that you say find something based on the specific goal that you have. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I think you could do too is find a tool that you think is really versatile and then say, okay, if I have this tool, how can I use it? And then maybe in that way, you can find multiple ways of using a particular app or multiple ways of using a particular website. Yeah. So I think both of those ways can work, Yeah, you know, uh, depending on maybe your style, Absolutely. your teaching style and such. Um, so one thing that I would say is ask your colleagues what they use yeah. if you're not really sure where to start. And I find that um, if people are willing to show you how to use it, it's a really great way to learn something new, build some rapport with colleagues, get to know some other teachers. I would also say pick a few things and experiment with them rather than trying to use so many things all at, at once, once yeah. right? Start small and kind of like build up from there. Last but not least, similar to what you said, using technology does not have to be complicated. If you can find things that are easy to use that have multiple functions and multiple uses, it's a nice way of incorporating technology into your teaching with not a lot of effort on your part. Absolutely. So the, I, I think the main thing is try to keep things as simple as possible. And if you need help, ask your colleagues or ask somebody. Or probably you're going to find a YouTube tutorial or you're going to find some mm -hmm. information online. So I think that that's really important. So Daniel, is there a website that you would like to share with us? Yeah, so actually in keeping with the theme of this episode, I'd like to share a website related to technology. It's called thedigitalteacher.com. So it's a website that's been developed by Cambridge that's all about technology related to teaching and being a teacher. I believe I learned about this at a conference that I went to probably about six or seven months ago. I don't remember which one exactly. In any case, it has resources to learn how to better use technology in your classroom, and it also has product reviews from teachers that have tried using different types of technology. It seems that it hasn't been updated in a while, but they also have a blog about how to use technology in your teaching. Some of the subtopics on the website include the concepts of productivity, being a digital citizen, theories and methodologies, digital tools, course planning in the digital age, preparing students to use digital tools, and using technology to evaluate students. Best of all, thedigitalteacher.com is absolutely free. free. <laughs> That's great. One of our favorite words, right? Yeah. <laughs> so regardless of your level of experience, you'll definitely be able to find something new on thedigitalteacher.com. So please visit the website and let us know what you think. You can write us at podcast at eltinchili.com. Again, that's podcast at eltinchili.com. Okay, so now it's time to talk about our teaching demerit and gold star. Daniel, it's your turn to talk about a demerit. Yes, it is. So my demerit actually has two parts to it, and they're both related to technology. The first one is that I'm hesitant to try out new technology. 
I feel like I'm somewhat stuck in my ways and I feel like I'm not as open as I should be to trying out new technology. I think that's partially due to not always having access to a Wi-Fi connection or the tools needed to use new technology. But I also feel like there's another part of it which is kind of fear of the unknown. So I'm trying to be more open to using new technology because ultimately it will make my life easier and the learning experience of my students better. And to give you an idea how behind the times I can be with some things, I didn't really start using Spotify until late 2018 or so. Yeah, the second part of my teaching demerit has to do with not checking technology before trying to use it. So it's happened to me on more than one occasion that the files I needed to use for a class through an institute were not the right audio files or they weren't the right PDF. I assumed that they were and I showed up to class with the wrong materials. It was annoying, but then in one case it was actually an end of the course evaluation. And so it showed me that I always need to be sure to check everything out before using it. So the same thing happened to me when I was trying to play some audio files that were incompatible with my Dropbox. And if I had simply checked before I had left for my class, I could have avoided the entire issue and found a solution to the problem or had done a different listening activity instead. In any case, the lessons I learned, be more open to technology, and test out technology before using it in class for the first time. Jose Luis, can you bring us up with a teaching gold star? Of course, Daniel. But I would like to start with some context. I believe that in any job you need to create bonds and good relationship with your colleagues because in that way you help and support each other, not only when it comes to your job as an academic, but most importantly as a human being. This happens naturally or it just doesn't happen and we have no control over that. But when you can build a great relationship with your colleagues, that creates a bond that that lasts forever. Fortunately, I've had the chance to work with two excellent colleagues and human beings, Nestor Singer and Carlos Veloso. I've learned so much from them professionally. The three of us are part of a research group called EIPT, that stands for Estudios de la Enseñanza del Inglés en Programa de Traducción, which focuses on the teaching of English in translation programs, and we've had the chance to present our research projects at conferences in Chile, Argentina, Spain, Ireland, and Poland. That's awesome. Yeah. This research group works even though we're really busy during the year, because we all contribute with different skills and we help and believe in each other. On a more personal level, we're really good friends and we try to see each other as often as possible. Nestor is doing a PhD abroad at the moment, but Carlos works in Santiago with me. We keep in touch using technology. We have a WhatsApp group and there we discuss ideas for future research, how to organize lessons and create materials. So I would like to give my teaching goal start to two really good friends and colleagues, Nestor Singer and Carlos Veloso. That's wonderful. I've had the privilege to meet Carlos, but I haven't met Nestor yet. Hopefully I will in the future. I can definitely relate to the value of having colleagues, you know, that you can depend on and help each other out. I'm still friends with some of the teachers that I started teaching at when I was in California, and it's always great to maintain contact with them and be, you know, see how they're doing. So yeah, I think that's, I mean, like creating this, this bond because it just goes beyond your the job that you have to do. You yeah. Know? Because I think also that's really important because you have some skills that you were not even uh, aware of sometimes Mm -hmm. and then you combine them all together and then you can create some really beautiful things together yeah and i think the thing is too there's also this element of human connection Mm -hmm. and um bringing people up you know helping them see their potential yeah i think that's really important so that's it for this episode of elt in chile we hope you enjoyed listening to how you can learn about using technology from your students and our experience and philosophy about using it inside and outside the classroom 
There are a lot of resources in the show notes on our website, www.eltinchile.com. Please let us know how you use technology in the classroom and how these ideas work for you by emailing us at podcast at eltinchile.com. I'm Jose Luis Poblete. And I'm Daniel Gwim. Thank you to Carlos Sepulveda, Nicolas Roman, and Andres Ranz for all of their help with the production of the podcast and website. And thank you to everyone out there for listening. For those of you that are traveling in February, we hope you have a great vacation and keep, keep on teaching. teaching.